0: Fly Field Outfitters is a fly shop and guide service located in Bend, Oregon. We specialize in fly fishing the Lower Deschutes River, Cascade Lakes, the Crooked River, the Fall River, and many other fisheries in the area. Tune into our podcast for updates on fishing reports, techniques, tactics, and fishing stories. Hey buddy. Uh, this is Kyle here for another episode of the Fly Field Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk today about tippers and l- tippets and leaders and break it down, how I like to call it Barney style, from anything you really need to know about tippets and leaders. And I'm happy to be here over Skype with uh, Jeremiah Hule, right? Yes, sir. More commonly known as Jeremiah Superstay here in Bend, Oregon. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and he's, you know, Jeremiah, ago go probably seven or eight years back now and uh, yeah, worked parallel on each other for many years. So it's pretty cool to be able to sit down and uh, have a conversation about Legion Tippets with Jeremiah, who now uh, is a independent sales rep and represents Scientific Anglers. Um, so, yeah, Jeremiah, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks for that, Kyle. Um, I'm Jeremiah Hull. I uh, live here in Bend, been here since 2011. Um, so not a lifer like some of the Bend folks, but uh, long enough to see uh, more breweries pop up and more hotels pop up every day. Um, yeah, so I have been uh, grew up in Northern California originally, guided uh, down there a bit, and then moved up here. Uh, I've guided uh, the Deschutes, all the other local waters we have around here, McKenzie, all the lakes. And then uh, a couple years ago, uh, I was able to get the opportunity to uh, be a sales rep for Orvis and Scientific Anglers. Um, both companies I have a, a long history with and definitely proud to be around, and then uh, Loon Outdoors is the other company that I, I rep here in the Pacific Northwest, so Oregon, Washington, and Alaska—it's um, kind of my territory and where I like to be.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you uh pretty cool gig. Can you you want to touch about like what a day to day for those that don't know what a sales rep in the fly fish industry looks like and travel and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so um, a big deal is we're we're uh, mainly here to to be that liaison to make sure you guys are uh, fully equipped, knowing our, our newest product, knowing. Um, how that product acts um, any questions any ordering um, there's a lot of little things that goes into it but making sure you guys have that that comfortable person to come talk to uh, if any issues arise or you know if your guy's going on a trip tomorrow and he needs a line before he takes off uh, to make that easy local call um, for anybody that, that needs that stuff to happen um, you know, there's a lot of road time visiting shops and, and saying hi to everybody um, so for me it's Oregon Washington are my road time uh, states, and then of course fly up to, to Alaska to get to do some of those great shops. But um, it's, a, it's a fun, fun gig. It's it's definitely a lot of little things. And um, I, I guess the biggest thing is making sure nothing falls through the cracks, because while it's just one thing for you, it might be a trip ender or a season ender for, for somebody. So a lot of little things have to come together.
0: Totally. Yeah. So uh, I think yesterday was a uh, national sales rep day, by the way. So happy, uh, Happy Nationals. So Thank, Thank you. <laughs> uh, when, you're, when you're on the road, do you get to do any fishing with any of your uh, customers?
1: Man, uh, when I first started, I'd always have a stash, uh, you know, a, a rod or something like that that was ready. And then um, as it got more and more, I realized that you, there's so much that goes on in the daytime that you can't. Um, if you're going to do that, you have to definitely special select a day either before or after the visit to, to make it happen. So um, I try. But it doesn't always doesn't always pan out.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I think we should get going. I uh, couldn't think of anyone better to talk about some Tippet and Leader uh, with your experience guiding um, in the Northwest and in California, and uh, now selling it for a living. So you probably know it inside and out. Um, just want to mention briefly the other Tippets and Leaders that we do have in the shop are Rio, Umqua, Trout Hunter, Maxima, and of course. Uh, scientific angler. Oh, we also do have a little bit of frog hair. Um, so yeah, let's jump into it, uh, Jeremiah. Um, why don't we touch on the different types of material areas?
1: Uh, yeah, so, so for leader and tippet uh, in the fly fishing world, it really breaks down into two categories. Um, first one being fluorocarbon, which is um, definitely more expensive, but there's a lot of reasons why it's more expensive. It's definitely a, a great material. And then the other is going to be a nylon. So depending on a standard nylon for scientific anglers, we deal a lot with copolymers. So uh, a nylon blend of several sorts, so we get the best of you know each of the substances in there. Um, So within that, uh, you know, those are the two main categories. Most people kind of lump it into monofilament, and that's going to include both of those. So both, you know. Nylon and fluorocarbon are gonna be a monofilament, just a single filament. Um, and kind of jumping into what makes both of those unique. So fluorocarbon, uh, like you said, there's, there's a little bit higher price tag, but if you're fishing subsurface, and we'll touch a little bit more on, on non-subsurface uh, uses for fluorocarbon, but with fluorocarbon, it's gonna sink, so it's more dense than water. So if you're uh, euronymphing or you know standard uh, nymphing, anytime you want your flies down, that's going to help out. It's going to break that surface tension. It's going to help those flies stay down. Um, so that's, that's a big deal. It's denser than water. The next thing is going to be very abrasion resistant Fluorocarbon inherently is a harder material. So once again, if you're subsurface, you're, you're going over rocks, you're going over sticks, things like that. You don't have to worry about those, those uh, materials fraying as easy as a nylon would. Um, one of my favorite parts, it has a, a similar light refraction as water. So As the sun's hitting the water, it's not going to shine as much as uh, a standard nylon will. The one, I guess, two drawbacks. Number one is price. It's going to be, you know, typically two to three times more uh, for a spool or a a pack of leaders. The other thing is going to be, uh, because it's a harder material, it might not be as easy to tie a knot. And we'll kind of dive into that here in a second on on some things that, that Scientific Angles has done to help that but uh, it's not as easy to tie a knot. So if you're lazy, uh, you don't make five wraps, you do three, you're not gonna have a strong knot there. Um, When we jump into the nylon world, uh, one of the best things about nylon is that it doesn't sink. So if you're fishing dry flies right away, like that should be your your, uh, go-to leader. When you do start talking nylon, the price drops quite a bit. So it makes it affordable to have several of each size to make sure you're covered in any fishing situation. It also degrades faster. So fluorocarbon is a great material, but I use it selectively because I know it has a 500 year half-life. So that stuff's gonna be in the environment for a long time. So I use it sparingly. Um, and definitely if I am you know, doing new leaders, I'm gonna cut that stuff off, make sure it goes in a compartment so it's not just hitting the river. Um, now we, we talked a little bit about that fluorocarbon sinking. So when I move into say a lake opportunity where it's clear, the fish maybe are pressured, I might have my standard uh, nylon leader and then add a foot and a half of fluorocarbon. And what that's going to do, it's going to sink right below the surface film. So, as that fish is looking up, he's not going to see that line at all. And so, it's an easy way to to add more fish to the net um, on heavy pressured waters in situations where most people wouldn't think about using fluorocarbon.
0: Yeah, when you're uh, fishing rivers, like getting a short drift during like a mayfly hatch or something like that, say... Let's just use the Fall River, for example, as a spring creek. Yeah. Uh, would you do a similar thing where you're taking a standard nine foot leader and then adding on a few inches of fluoro just and not worrying yeah. about that sink rate?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, if I'm fishing uh, subsurface in a standard, you know, nymphing rig, I really like putting, uh, you know, a foot, foot and a half of fluorocarbon um, off the end of my leader. The nice thing about that is that uh, when you do that, what that allows it, it's a a spot for your your split shot or something like that to go. Um, So it doesn't slide all the way down to your fly, but it also gives it that invisibility. Um, So yeah, you know, the fall river here is a a gin clear spring Creek. So anytime you can have that little bit of an advantage going to fluorocarbon, you're going to see a lot more fish in the net. Uh,
0: With fluoro and nylon there, when you walk into fly shop, you'll see freshwater
1: and saltwater. What's the difference there? So, uh, Normally what that's going to do is you're going to have a little bit of a stiffer material. So for scientific anglers, we know the trout guy, he talks in X ratings. So, you know, we'll talk about this in a second, but that's, that's the trout guys world. Uh, for saltwater guys, you're never going to hear them say, Hey, I caught that bone fish on two X. It just doesn't happen. We talk in pound ratings and we move to uh, that, that style of fish, whether it's steelhead um, streamer fishing saltwater. So, Usually when you make that jump, you're going to have a stiffer material. When we're trout fishing, we want that very subtle uh, or supple, sorry, supple material that's going to dead drift naturally. It's not going to kink. It's not going to pull a fly in a weird direction. Um, For saltwater fishing, streamer fishing, steelhead fishing, we're in a straight line. We're pulling in a straight line. So that's we're going to move to a straight pound, and that's going to be a little bit stiffer material. It's going to hold up to those. Uh, those conditions better turning over big heavy flies things like that. Um, that stiffer fluorocarbon is going to do the trick.
0: Awesome, yeah. Uh, that's a great segue. Uh, you're just touching on it briefly. Let's talk about what the X system means. You know, you've worked in a shop. I've worked in a shop, obviously. Yeah. And a lot of times, people will come in and start talking. Oh, I used two X out on you know the Crooked River. you like, oh, yeah. You actually want to go the other way. So it's uh, you want to just play yeah. the X system
1: and the so. system. Yeah, so the X rating system is a, uh, a great way to confuse people. Um, it's what the fly fishing world uh, dives into diameters. So an X rating is just a diameter rating, that's all it is. So um, similar to a, a gauge uh, for shotguns, we're, we're talking diameters. And so as we go into this, I'll uh, we'll start off at the bottom zero X, um, which you go, oh, zero, that's a tiny number it's actually a really big diameter. So we're talking point, you know, 0.28 millimeters. So really big stuff compared to say uh, 5X, which is a pretty common trout size, which is uh, 0.15 millimeters. So when we start diving into those things, the higher the number, the smaller diameter. So if you're fishing for small fish, you know, 6, 7, 8X is gonna be great. If you're fishing for big trout, steelhead, um, you start wanting to dive down, Three, two, one X. Um, so those lower numbers are going to be your stronger uh, tippets. So within that, uh, you know, there's a lot of little things I try when I'm uh, looking at leader and tippet. I typically go for the pound rating because it's a lot easier. Within fly fishing, we have this X rating for tippet, which comes, you know, or leader and tippet, which comes right at the bottom there. And then we have a weight system for our lines. So you know you've, you've had plenty of people i'm sure Kyle come in and say hey i've got a 5 weight rod i need a 5x leader. Oh. You know, man those those things do not do not mean anything together. You can fish if you wanted to a 7x leader on a 12 weight line. Um, you know it's probably not going to be the situation cuz as uh, as you move kind of the opposite of the x rating and the weight rating the higher the number the stronger the rod. So uh, you know, a one weight rod is tiny. You're going for itty bitty Brookies, you know, golden trout, uh, your 12 weight are, you know, 200 pound tarpon. So uh, it's funny to have the X rating go from a, you know, really high number being small diameter to the weight rating and fly rods being a high number stronger rod. So I typically, uh, when I'm teaching a beginner class or, you know, have somebody in my boat that may, might not be as knowledgeable on the X rating, I say, talk, talk about pounds. 3x is great, but 8.4 pounds—that's easy. You know that strength. When you jump down, uh, 4x, okay, 6.7 pounds. This is smaller than this just by looking at the pound rating. So that's the easier route to go, and that's the one that I suggest most people do. Um, you know, it is nice if you're if you want to dive in and really learn a ton read up that x rating there's a lot of great stuff out there but for me look at the pound rating make it easy on yourself um and then moving like we talked about earlier go into salt water or steelhead, that pound rating's right there we don't even talk about x so we go straight to pounds and that's what you have to deal with
0: yeah that's awesome um yeah i'm glad you mentioned a five weight no, five x doesn't mean anything because like you said yeah. you can find yourself in any situation yeah. um i think yeah let's uh Let's just touch on that for a second, because it brings up a good point. Like, how do different rods impact your tippets and leaders that you're fishing? You know, I know a lot of times, for example, when Scott's up on the lake, he'll fish a 10-foot four weight because he has a more supple tippet that he needs to fight fish better with. And I'll let you elaborate on that more.
1: Yeah, yeah, great. Um, So rods are going to be shock absorbers, right? So um, if you have a lighter weight rod, there's more shock absorbing qualities in that rod. If you move up to, you know, the heavy-duty stuff, 8, 10 weights, those are really stiff. Those are your heavy-duty shocks. Those are for heavyweight objects, whether that's, you know, big bonefish, permit, you know, I saw, uh, you know, right now is redfish time for most people, so redfish, stuff like that, you're going to want a heavier rod, a heavier shock in your hand. Now, when you're fishing lightweight tippet, that really heavyweight rod isn't going to protect tippet. The way a lighter rod, like like you said, Kyle, that 10 foot four weight or something like that, that's gonna have a lot more flex and absorb a lot more shock. Um, so you're not putting that stress directly under tippet. Certain places you have to fish light tippet. Um, you know, we talked about Fall River, a lot of the lakes. You can't get away with fishing really heavy tippet for these big fish because they're wary. They're gonna see it. Um, maybe they you know spot this heavily fished or whatever the case is they know they're going to get tight lift as soon as they see that big chunk of tippet floating by them. So when you do start dropping down, um, I find it very good to drop down in rod weight as well. So, um, you know, for me on the Deschutes, uh, when I was guiding, I really enjoyed a 10 foot five weight for, for big nymphing for trout because you were able to land some of those bigger fish on a lighter weight tippet um, and we had a little bit more leverage to make it easier instead of moving up to say a six weight which, once again, you start moving into a heavier duty shock, you're going to have a lot more shock in that line um, that Rod's not absorbing it.
0: Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's all very, very valuable information for people out yeah. there. Um, let's talk about uh, say you're out fishing, you got a just a you snap, break off, and you got a 3x butt section, but you only have 6x, 5x, something like that. And I believe. You mentioned it's called steep downsizing or large downsizing. Are you able to tie six x to three x? What do you need to do? What's some advice there for folks?
1: Um, man, uh, as a guide, uh, we've all been caught in those situations where uh, something crazy happens. You might have walked a quarter mile down from your boat and you're fishing this this hot spot, and you don't want to you don't want to leave it. You know something happens. Your, your client breaks off. Um, when you start doing those really large downsizes. Uh, Number one, you really have to worry about what knot you're tying. So if you are usually tying, say, a double surgeon's, well, the size of that, that butt section, the, the leader coming from your fly line is so thick, and the, the tip that you're putting on there is so thin, it's not going to work. Um, so that might be a situation where you do, uh, you know, back-to-back uni knots. So it's a jam knot, so both those knots come together and they stop each other instead of having some of the twists because those little diameters can easily pull out. So um, you can do it. I, you know, for me, I try never jump down more than two sizes. So if I have, you know, uh, whatever, zero X, I'm not going to drop down to three or four X. I try to go down to two and then two to four. Um, that's usually a pretty safe bet. Um, however, if you do that back to back unit, you can get away with some funky stuff out there.
0: Awesome. Yeah don't like being stuck not being able to fish that's for yeah, sure yeah. uh all right let's touch on uh knots certain knots that work better for nylon or floral what's your go-to if you're adding yeah
1: yeah and go ahead yeah so um with fluorocarbon like we, t- we talked about earlier um it's not as forgiving as nylon if you're doing knots now uh we'll touch base on this in just a second but uh we have this stuff called uh, absolute supreme tippet that we've kind of fixed that problem that does really well but For my knots, when I'm doing anything fluorocarbon, I prefer if I'm doing a straight knot, a clinch knot, not the improved, a standard clinch knot. I do five to six wraps. Um, Make sure when you're pulling it, you're only pulling the the long piece going to your fly line, never the tag end. And that way everything cinches down exactly how it should be. Uh, A little moisture, uh, saliva, river water, whatever works for you before you pull it. Um, The reason we do a little bit of moisture is that as those, those lines are coming together and twisting and creating that knot, it builds a lot of friction. Um, and friction, heat, heat's going to wear down that material. So that's one thing we don't want is to heat up that material. So you'll often hear guys like, man, that fish broke off, you know, you know, 15-pound test. Well, you know, most fly rods are going to blow up at 12 pounds of pressure. So 15-pound test is really heavy. Um what more than likely happened is that wasn't a great knot, broke out the knot. Uh, but when we move into those knots, uh, anytime I want movement, I prefer that non-slip mono loop, uh, mainly because it's a it's a jam knot and not a binding knot. So you're not gonna have that material once again gripping into itself. Um, and then for any time I'm going nylon to fluorocarbon. So say I've got a nylon leader, putting fluorocarbon tipping onto that, I'm gonna use a blood knot 100% of the time. Um, it's one that you have to practice a little bit, but once you get it done, you can sit there with one hand waist deep in the river and get it done quickly and efficiently. And once again, you're having the best knot out there. So clinch knot, non-slip mono loop, and then the blood knot are the three knots that I tie exclusively. Uh, and like I said I've guided for quite a while. Uh, at that time, my paycheck relied on those knots. And so uh, that, that was crucial for me to have a good knot because you know at the end of the day, if your knots are coming back with little pigtails on them uh, that tip is probably not going to happen. So you know when you get pigtails instead of fish in the net that's going to be a huge issue. So um, jumping back into that absolute supreme tippet it's a fluorocarbon it's actually a dual layer fluorocarbon. So we talked about fluorocarbon being inherently a harder material. What we're able to do with our absolute supreme is actually have a little bit of a softer outer layer So as you're binding, uh, say, nylon into fluorocarbon, um, or maybe your knot isn't perfect when you're out there on the water, that's going to create a much better knot. Um, So when you start fishing it, you're going to have a much stronger material. So overall, that absolute supreme is about an 8% increase from our fluorocarbon uh, that we have out now for tensile strength, but it's like a 33% increase in wet knot strength. So when you're fishing it, it's wet, you're going to have a knot in it and you have uh, a much better material out there
0: on the water. Awesome. It's great stuff. I've been using it. We got yeah, our yeah. Rep, rep drops them off for us. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Um, I think uh, yeah, we might have skipped around here a little bit, but let's see. How does your fly size play into the kind of tippet or the size of tippet you would use in a certain situation?
1: I know it's quite yeah. an
0: ambiguous question because there's so many situations, but... Um, yeah, know you, you know, feel-
1: when i'm when i'm trout fishing i prefer to use the lightest weight tippet that i can get away with because my fly is going to drift a lot more natural it's not going to be as spooky for this fish um and then uh so there is a set rating that people like to stick to you know size 14 to 16 you're going to want to have this that's much more of a general you know all-purpose idea um the one thing I try to to think about is the fish I'm going for um, more than the size of fly. So if you've got a, you know, you're fishing some awesome trout stream like the Deschutes where you're having, you know, 16, 18 inch fish that can pull line really well. I don't want to go down to that six X, even though I might be fishing uh, a size 18, you know, bait pattern or something like that. I might stick with four or five X just to make sure that I can actually land those fish. Uh, when you start talking about really small stuff, yeah, there gets a point where you're not going to be able to take tippet and go through the eye of a hook. Uh, when you start talking um, saltwater stuff, once again, you start moving into the size of fish. So if you're fishing a, uh, an area like Kauai for bonefish, they have big bonefish. Uh, typically over you know reefs and stuff like that, those guys are going to fish a lot bigger uh, tippet. Maybe you know. 16 pound compared to the guys down in uh you know Belize or the keys or something where they can get away with 10 pound pretty consistently so um there are a lot of uh you know there's a lot of rules to follow uh and there's always a lot of exceptions to those rules and then rules to those exceptions so uh it's more of a general um yeah if you're fishing trout stuff try to go with the size of fly typically the smaller the fly you're going to want to go to that lighter weight uh, tippet. So if you're fishing 18s and 20s, that's 5, 6, seven x world. Uh, when you start going up to the big stump flies, 3 and 4x world. Um, and then, you know, caddis are somewhere in the middle, 4 5x. And then jumping down, if you're going to be steelhead fishing. For me, if I'm, if I'm you know, swinging a fly for steelhead, I don't worry about tippet size. Uh, I'm worried about landing that fish as fast as I can. Uh, and being able to put pressure on them, if I'm fishing a coastal river and, you know, there's a, a rapid down below that fish can cruise through, I don't want to sit there and have to, you know, gingerly fight this fish. I want to be able to torque on them, get in my hand, get that hook out, get him back swimming. So I routinely fish like 16 or 20 pounds, um, absolute fluorocarbon for, for my steelhead stuff. The nice part about that is that I'm not worried about losing flies. I bend out hooks. I can swap out the hook. I still have my great you know, fly that I, I tied for 45 minutes. Um, that just makes it really easy. So uh, I'm gonna keep going now that we're talking about you know, steelhead. So uh, you know, for me growing up in the Pacific Northwest, swinging flies for steelhead, there was a brand of tippet that uh, it was kind of your, your only stuff you used. When I started diving more into that, and um, started talking about diameters. The strength per diameter was so low. So uh, historically it's been, you know, much thicker diameter and, you know, some people will say, you know, you, you can pull a, a truck out with, you know, 20 pound of uh, this tippet. Well, it's so oversized. So for, for their 20 pound, it might be our, you know, 12 pound diameter. So if you do the same diameter, you can actually have really strong stuff. So when I'm wanting to, to steal a fish, I have started moving to absolute fluorocarbon. It's thinner. For, for the strength so i'm actually able to, to slice through that water a little bit easier and then of course being that 16 or 20 pound i've got no worries of landing even the biggest fish
0: That's awesome yeah um yeah great information man uh so i think lastly as far as tip and leader goes i'd say uh you know this could be kind of an all-inclusive question but let's talk about maybe Uh, expiration UV damage and with that how would you store your tip and leader when you're not fishing or how long do you put date write your dates on it and that kind of thing
1: great great question so um, there's a couple things uh, to keep in mind yes definitely um, your stuff doesn't last forever Um, for us we started putting the silicone bands on our spools this is 100% UV protection Uh, back when I was guiding I would have my pack in my drift boat, I was out there seven days a week. And I distinctly remember a lot of times where I would grab a a stretch of tippet and it would snap. I'm like, man, I'm fishing 4X or 5X, it shouldn't snap. And I do a couple more pulls and all of a sudden it'd be fine again. Oh, that was a bad stretch. Well, we're in central Oregon, we're at 3,500 feet of elevation. Uh, The sun's just beating it up all day long. Um, So for us to move to that silicone is a much better UV protector so you don't have to worry about it. As this stuff is sitting you know, in your boat or on your pack or something like that, it's not getting hammered. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're sitting there and your normal spool of liters is sitting out in your drift boat and you forget about it all weekend and you go to fish the next weekend, it's probably gonna be pretty damaged. Uh, the next thing I always keep in mind is when I'm storing my stuff, I try to keep it at as temperature stable as I can. If you have a, a garage that stays pretty consistent um, temperature wise, great. Um, for me, a closet is awesome. There's zero UV light. The temperature is extremely consistent. Uh, if your stuff gets soaked, I try to let it dry out before I, I store it. Um, you don't want, you know, any type of mold or anything like that developing. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I store my stuff. And now I, I kind of keep it either locked up um, in my garage or in a boat compartment where it's not getting the UV light or heat.
0: Awesome. Uh- yeah, I didn't realize it could happen that fast. So you can, in a week, you can damage your tippet and leader
1: that fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially out here in Central Oregon, if it's sitting there, you know, on your, your tray and your drift boat, um, yeah, it doesn't take long for that, that UV to, to really damage it.
0: Do you know if fluoro may go bad quicker or mono or,
1: or excuse So yeah, yeah, so the nylons typically are going to go, they're going to expire faster. Um, I, I think I said it earlier, but, you know, fluorocarbon has a 500-year half-life. Um, so it's definitely not going to expire as fast, but still, um, you know, leaders are a great example. Everybody wants to have uh, – be able to see the leader. Um, if this is sitting in your drift boat um, in that UV light, it can it can get damaged. So once again, put it in the pack, put it, you know, somewhere that's temperature-stable, um, you'll be fine. As far as writing dates on it um, – I go, you know, typically go through that stuff so fast that I don't have to worry about it. But if there's a situation where I'm pulling something out and I go, when did I buy this? Um, test it. You know, we don't want to waste any material. That, that's one thing that we, we try not to do is just throw material back into a, a garbage can. But if it's good, it's going to be it's going to be fine. Um, so, yeah, just give it a test. If you can remember, that's great. I've had too many concussions, I typically can't remember that stuff. <laughs>
0: Same. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, wow, what a bundle of valuable information you've just given us here. Um, I'm wondering, is there anything else you want to touch on with leader and tip it? I mean, it's
1: for yeah, something re- so
0: simple, it's very complex. <laughs>
1: totally. So uh, I want to touch on two things. So first is leader sizes, um, lengths. So um, say you're fishing uh, the stonefly hatch here on the Deschutes, you do not want a really long leader. Um, that's a situation where the shorter, more aggressive that leader is, a 7.5-foot, 2X leader is typically what I use down on the Deschutes. It's going to help turnovers. so it's going to help that fly land uh, completely unrolled on the water instead of piling up. Um, when you get into situations, uh, maybe uh, definitely Fall River is one of them, but a lot of our lakes, Hosmer Lake is a gin clear lake. If you're fishing that 7.5-foot leader, that fish can see your fly line. He can probably see a lot more going on probably not going to bite so that's where i like to use uh you know one of our 11 foot you know uh leaders either a presentation leader or one of our finesse leaders it's going to help keep that fly line as far away from the fly as possible and prevent you spooking any fish um the next thing is going to be uh kind of the strength we talk about in uh in in tippet material so uh for scientific anglers we move into wet knot strength is where we really want to focus that's going to be our arena for us, we know you're going to do two things with, with leader and tippet. You're going to get it wet. You're going to put a knot in it, and at that moment, we want to have the strongest stuff out there. So while well, our tensile strength, the number you see, you know, on the spool, that's going to be great, and that's just you know me and Kyle pulling a tippet back and forth. That's tensile strength. Once you get a knot in it, once you get it wet, uh, especially when you get it wet, copolymers, fluorocarbons, they all absorb uh some amount of water and that changes how that material is going to act and so uh for us when that happens we want to have the strongest stuff uh, we we kind of call it we jokingly call it the, the fishing strength you know the spool strength is great if you're sitting at a shop and you're wanting to see what the highest number is but when it comes down to it and you're fighting the fish of the trip you're fishing a lifetime we want to have the best stuff out there so um that's what we stand out we're, we're quite a bit stronger than uh, the rest of the competition and that's kind of our arena
0: yeah, it's been pretty awesome seeing like the kind of the essay comeback, if you will, over the past couple of years and yeah. getting back at flying field. And uh, yeah, I've been loving using the fly lines and the tippet and leader and awesome. everything you all are doing. It's great stuff. Uh, I have one more thought just now just uh, touching on with like tippet and leader expiration and kind of, you know, damage and all that. A lot of di- people these days now with our Rod tubes on our trucks and rod racks and that kind of thing. I, you know, a lot of people don't ever undo their rods anymore. Yeah. Uh, do you see that being a problem for their tippet leaders overall, and like should they? Oh know, yeah, tip, tip tippet, tippet leader
1: fly lines. So, um, you know, the big deal is heat. So if you're sitting there and uh, I've got the the Yakima rack on mine, and uh, when that is a hundred degrees outside, it is cooking in that aluminum tube. Um, so yeah, you will, you can probably cook a hot dog in that thing. Um, (laughs) so definitely, you know, if you're not, if you're not using your rods, uh, stick them in your garage, you know, break it down, make sure it's, it's in a temperature safe environment without UV, you don't have to worry about UV in those tubes, but the heat will get you. So, um, it looks cool, uh, on, on the roof of the Subi. uh, you don't have to worry uh, they can't look inside and know that you don't have any rods in there so just when you're not fishing stick those rods in the garage and you're good to go
0: yeah yeah and same goes to the folks that like to leave them on their uh their roof or not the roof but the hood the hood ones yeah driving all day with those yeah
1: um, yeah good old uv that, That'll crush it. Uh, <laughs> yeah
0: well awesome jeremiah i mean that was great information i think Perfect. There's plenty more to talk about probably, but uh, yeah, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, you want to give them your email address or uh, they can. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. If you guys have questions, uh, stoneflysales at Gmail. Easy way to reach out. Um, another way. I mean, if, if any of the guys at the shop, they're more than knowledgeable. Uh, feel free to stop by and quiz them. Um, test out. we got some new, uh, new leader, new tippet. All really good, really strong stuff. So play around with it and uh, feel free to shoot me an email. And let me know what you think.
0: Sweet, dude. I uh, really appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime. All right. yep. Thank you for tuning in to the Flying Field Outfitters podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for new episodes coming out. If you have a request for a podcast, please reach out to Kyle at flyingfield.com. Thanks again for tuning in and have a nice day. We'll see you on the water.